Good morning to all of you this morning. It's great to see faces. For those of you joining us online, we're so glad you were with us. I want to begin with a word, and you just need people to remind you of something like this. And it's, we're going to make it through this. God's going to get us through it. God's gotten people through pandemics and epidemics and civil wars before. God's going to get us through it again. There are setbacks in life, and there are times there are obstacles that just, they're in front of us. They change things, and we're surrounded by what feels like chaos. And when you're down in the grind of life, sometimes you need somebody to kind of lift you up or God to lift you up to remind you of the bigger picture. And sometimes it's setbacks and obstacles that are used by God, though it may not be created by God, to help us to mature and to grow. So we're, we're going to make it through this. I, I want those who have experienced loss to know we're going to make it through it. I want teachers to know we're going to make it through this. You were doing things this year that you did not go to school for, you never asked for, and I know there are some teachers and educators right now thinking that this year of school is going to probably take 15 years off their life. And here's what I'm asking of you. If you have to become addicted to a happy hour, let it be at Sonic, or you can enjoy a cherry limeade, some cheese tots, uh, something like that. We love you, and uh, we're, we're going to make it through it. I reminded us like five weeks into COVID, which is, I think we're almost on year, uh, year, we're almost on month 26. It feels like, it feels like 26 years. I reminded you then that every single day we have to make decisions for who we're going to be, not just while we go through COVID, but on the other side of COVID. There's going to be an other side of COVID And right now, the decisions we make and how we live and how we choose to love God and the emotions we choose to to drive us in life, uh, they're going to form who we are on on the other side because it's not just a switch you turn off and on. Like right now, you're only consumed by uh, what's right in front of you. And then when we get to the other side, we flip a switch and then we can be filled with joy and passion and life again. It doesn't work that way. Every day, the decisions we make determine who we're going to be in the future. When my sister passed away back in 2010, a few weeks later, or maybe probably a few months later, we visited my family. We uh, left Memphis. We went to DFW to visit my family for the weekend. And it was Casey who was with my mom in the kitchen. And Casey asked my mom and said, Casey, uh, Beverly, I just have one question for you. Are you going to be bitter? Is grief going to make you bitter? And I think what Casey was asking was, Beverly, are you still going to play with the kids on the ground? Are you still going to have fun and be the, the, the spunky, spontaneous grandma that you've always been? Are you still going to have fun at Christmas time with the kids? And my mom said her immediate response was, no, I'm not going to become bitter. But she said that was the response that I had to learn to live into. Because how I behave today determines who I'm going to be down the road in the future. And the church for years has been faced with obstacles and there's been outside pressure and things the church has had to work through. And the book of Acts teaches us that there are a few things, four things that people do to stay connected to God through whatever season it may be. One, you do, every single day you pray. And it may not be an hour for you. It may just be a couple of minutes for you. But you develop a discipline where you pray. You have a discipline where you are in the Word every day. And it may not be reading five chapters. It may just be reading a few verses. Just letting the Word of God get inside of you and you getting inside of the Word. Thirdly, you stay connected to a body of believers. Somehow, someway, 
Even right now, if you have to get creative on what it looks like when you are together with people, taking communion and singing songs and confessing, we're reminding each other of this bigger story that we are a part of. And last but not least, fourthly, you, you find some way to serve the needy, to be compassionate, to live a life where there's benevolence that is coming from you because that is what reminds us that this life is not just about me and my space and my people and protecting my stuff. It is the, God's doing stuff bigger than anything I could ever imagine. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about the Trinity. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And this is a struggle to do in just a few minutes because here's the thing, man. Most of us, if you had to write a paper on the Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, you would probably struggle on how you're going to make an argument for the three and one. How are three and one? How are they all the same yet different? What does this look like? If on the day of judgment you meet Jesus, you, we all hope that Jesus' response is just welcome into the kingdom. Come on in. You hope Jesus doesn't say, I'm sitting here next to someone who doesn't believe in me and you have 10 minutes to try to tell them who the Trinity is and based on your response you get in or not. I think most of us, there's a deep love for Jesus. Even in religions that aren't of Christianity, people have deep respect for who Jesus is. For God, there's a lot of fear in who God is. Some people sometimes struggle with who God is. Like there's God who does stuff in the Old Testament that just blows our minds a little bit. So, so, but there's an understanding of God. The Holy Spirit is just crazy. The Holy Spirit's like that crazy uncle who shows up at the family reunions and nobody knows what to do with the crazy uncle, but the crazy uncle's there. Like you aren't really sure how to explain the crazy uncle. The uncle's just there. So God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to do this today. And this isn't just to try to add to your knowledge. It's that I think you having not a perfect understanding, but a working understanding of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's not just good for your knowledge and who you are as a Christian or if there's a test that you could pass that I think this matters for how we make it through any storm, chaos, crisis in life. I think this matters for the kind of people we're becoming in and through COVID-19. So the church has been dealt. Some serious blows in the past. They've had to make it through epidemics and pandemics and times when there's this outside pressure, whether it was from a Roman Empire or even today, governments throughout the world where there's outside pressure. Sometimes outside pressure has been persecution. Sometimes there's just been outside voices trying to get you to, to swear allegiance to things that, that aren't eternal. So there's these outside forces. And when there are outside forces at work in you, it can create inner turmoil and at times it can create Complacency. And the church has dealt with this for years. Early on, the first few hundred years of Christianity, there were times where there would be councils, there would be church leaders who would meet to talk about, okay, what does it mean to be the church? And they would come up with values that they would lay in front of churches. And this wasn't some uh, mental exercise of let's just, let's try to dispense knowledge and sound real philosophical and analytical. It's that they would meet to talk about what it meant to be the church because there was outside pressure. And they needed to be, a, they, they needed something to recite. Something that was easy to give to the next generation that they could sink their teeth into and be a part of. So these leaders would meet and they would just, could you imagine a meeting of church leaders trying to think through what it means to be the church? And this wasn't just a few hours. This would be days, weeks, sometimes months, and sitting on whiteboards or chalkboards or whatever they use in the fourth century where they're just jotting ideas and they're praying and they're seeking God. And here's the thing. They would develop these creeds. 
And I know some of us may have grown up in traditions where we didn't have creeds. Or we would say things like, no creed but the Bible alone. And that right there is a creed. Even the statement of no creed but the Bible alone. But creeds were just a simple way to help people who didn't have a written, printed Bible in front of them to know what it means to be the church. And here's what they did. They didn't come up with a list of things of how to get a worship service right or does the communion come before the sermon or after the sermon. They didn't sit there talking about the structure of a church or organizational structure. They didn't talk even about social issues as important as all that stuff was. When it came down to what their creed did, it was basically three parts. Who is God? Who is Jesus? And who is the Holy Spirit? And they believed by us having a better understanding of who God is and who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is, that people would be better husbands and better wives and better parents, that they would have a better understanding, not just of the knowledge of God, but an understanding of the mission that we are called into. So in the 4th century, there was something that became the Nicene Creed. And around that time, there was also something called the Apostles' Creed. And they were very similar. And it, it was this. Listen to the Trinity. Listen to the language of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made and for, uh, for us, and for our salvation, He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets we believe in one holy Catholic, that's universal, and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. And this was their way of giving churches all over the empire, all over their region. This is a way to give them core values and a foundation. That when it comes to what it means to be the church and to be God's people, here's what matters, that we understand the function and the nature of God, the function and the nature of Jesus, the function and the nature of the Holy Spirit, and that this changes everything. This is their foundation. And I've taught, even before COVID hit, that if you wait until a storm or crisis in life comes for you to try to form a foundation in your life, I'm not going to say it's going to be impossible. It's pretty difficult. And I try to teach young people and college students when I have an opportunity to speak in front of them that right now form a foundation in your life, uh, the values in your life that you can build your life on so that when storms of life come, you're ready. You're ready to stand. And these creeds were a way to help give people, look, here is what we are going to stand on no matter what. And it's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So when we developed our vision here at the church, 
We went through this process for a few months. We approved the vision in March. We went public with this back in May. And as, as I played a role in helping to lead our leaders in developing a vision statement, one thing I want to see in vision statements in churches all over the place is I want to see the Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, whose names are a part of a vision statement. So the vision statement in our church has the names of the Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that appear. Here's the vision of our church. Sycamore View Church exists to awaken people to the greatness of Jesus. As the Holy Spirit works to awaken us to all the ways God is restoring our world, we respond with joy, adventure, and courage. Through core values and commitments, we strive to align our behavior and actions with what it is God wants for people, Memphis, and the world. We join in the awakening. And we believe that what it means for us to be awake and to stay awake takes, means that we need to understand the work and the function and the nature of God, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So here's what this means for my life sometimes. In October of 2018, when my mom called and told me that she had cancer, I went and I paced the room, and I went through this exercise I use sometimes in my prayer life. I've had to use this exercise in 2010 when my sister died. I use this exercise if there's a week or two weeks of stress, it's just building up, and I'm about to blow, or I can just tell I'm off a little bit. A lot of times I come into this room right here, and I pace and I pray, and I remind myself, and I just go through it. It's not that I'm reciting these things in prayer because God needs to be reminded on who God is. I'm reciting them so I can remember when I'm praying, when I'm trying to follow in the ways of Jesus, here's who God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are. So a lot of times what I do is I'll pray and I'll pace and I'll reflect on some part of God. So I believe God created in the very beginning and because of this, God is still creating right now. This plays out throughout the entire Bible. I believe God brought the exodus in the book of Exodus, a liberation and salvation of people, and God still brings Exodus, liberation and salvation today. I believe God is a God of hesed, of steadfast love, and I believe God's steadfast love drives God more than anything else, and God still dispenses this today. For me, the word that probably sums up how I read the Bible, the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation, is the word restoration or restoring. I believe that God's mission and God's heartbeat is to restore all things. I believe Jesus came and walked this earth because he loved this earth. I believe Jesus brought a salvation that the whole world is invited into. And we play a part in making that appeal to the world. I believe Jesus is the, the answer. Jesus is the way. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the great comforter and the advocate. And I believe the Holy Spirit helps give us, gives us a better understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who brings sanctification and transformation that all of us need. And sometimes in prayer, I'm just reciting all these things so I can be reminded of who it is I'm following. Because when it comes to being a Christian, it's not just who you are. It's whose you are. And you are someone's, you are God's, you are Jesus's, you are the work and a target of the Holy Spirit. And it's good to be reminded of this, because right now there's a lot of outside pressure, and there's a lot of social unrest and racial unrest, and we're living in a year, I was just reflecting on it last night, that we lost the Black Mamba and we lost the Black Panther all in the same year. And in between, there are all these other things that we've lost too. 
And I brought on someone uh, who has spoken to our staff and now our church on a Wednesday night. And Linda Oxford quotes other psychologists who say right now, we are all functioning on like 60 to 80% brain capacity because we're dealing with crisis and chronic stress. And let's just be honest. You all know somebody who their 70% a pretty good 70%. You would take it. And, and I don't want to name names, but we all know people that their 70%, they, they don't really have room to go down much, right? And here we are functioning at best at like 80%, and we're trying to sift through all kind of cultural issues and political uh, chaos and, and who knows what. And trying to stay faithful to God too. And this morning I just want to help us. Not just be a Christian who checks boxes. And not just have this uh, belief statement in your own life. But to know that every day we're committing ourselves to the work of the Father. The work of the Son. The work of the Spirit. And quickly let me do it like this. I want to help us to capture this a little bit just conceptually. Like for your understanding, for your knowledge. Who is God? Who's Jesus? Who's the Spirit? And I want to talk about relationally, what does this look like? And last but not least, I want to talk about cultural and social. Because I think God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit want us to understand who they are. They want us to understand the relational component of who God is. And God, Jesus, and the Spirit are also working in and through the church to make a difference in the world. Now, there are a lot of places in the Bible we could turn to to have a better understanding of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But for the sake of time this morning, let me just give a verse or two for each one. In Exodus chapter 34, God describes who God is. And if God takes time to describe who God is, you better listen up. And this is so significant. We did a series on this last July. When the Bible quotes the Bible, which the Bible doesn't do a lot, but when the Bible quotes the Bible, the Bible quotes Exodus 34 more than anything else. So what God says about God's self in Exodus 34 is repeated word for word in Nehemiah, Psalms, Jonah, Joel. Like this is something that the people of God knew. And here's what God says in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This was God speaking to Moses. The Lord The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining uh, love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Like this is who God is. God's bringing restoration to the world through this loving, gracious, forgiving heart. If you want to have a better understanding of Jesus, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 outlines. It's one of the most beautiful statements of of who Jesus is. It starts in verse 15. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Jesus is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, this crazy uncle, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 7, But very truly I tell you, 
It is for your good that I am going away. For unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus thinks so much of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, it is better for my body to leave this earth and for the Holy Spirit to come and you are better off because of this. If Jesus has that high of a view of the Holy Spirit, don't you think the church should have a high view of the Holy Spirit too? Just to understand, who is this Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit bring? Paul thinks so much of the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who is the one who prompts and initiates salvation and roams the world and is inviting people into God. The role of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is so humble in nature that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, our hearts, our minds, the world to help point people to the greatness of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit is given for the common good. For Paul, it's the Holy Spirit who dispenses different gifts, whether it be a gift of encouragement or service or, or leadership, whatever it may be. The Holy Spirit is the one who cultivates and generates and dispenses these gifts. In 1 Peter chapter 1, when Peter opens up this letter, he brings together God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit like this. To the exiles... So all you people who are like on the margins, on the move, yet committed to God, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father, and sanctified by the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ, and to be sprinkled with His blood. So I want you to have just a better understanding and some knowledge of what is it God brings to this world? Who is Jesus? Who is the Spirit? And I want you to think relationally, because God doesn't just want to be a concept or a theory or an idea or some philosophy. God, from the very beginning when God created, God stepped into God's creation. God has been a part of it. God doesn't ever give an assignment that God doesn't stay connected to. God's not a taskmaster. God's not some boss who's disengaged from the work that is being done. Through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God is fully involved, walking with us every single day of our lives. And God created something in the book of Genesis called covenant. Where this God wants to be known and have relationship with God's people and all of God's creation. So there's this concept of an understanding of God. And then there's this relational component. And then last but not least, God wants, God wants to make a difference in the world. In John 3.16, it doesn't say for God tolerates the world. It says for God, God loves the world. God loves the world. God created a world and God loves what God created. Jesus stepped into a world and Jesus loves what Jesus redeemed. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is roaming the world to bring redemption and sanctification and transformation and to make much of Jesus. Like God is super passionate about what happens in this world. And this is good for us. Because when we understand God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, we know God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are working and they are functioning to bring unity and peace and harmony and togetherness throughout the world. It's reconciliation. And when we hear a lot of voices in the world, what we hear are voices who are bringing a lot of division and anger and rage and despair. 
Like that, that's not the nature and character of God. And especially as we move into an election season, Christians, especially Christians in the United States, have got to double down every single day on our spiritual disciplines so that we don't get caught up in swearing allegiance or giving our allegiance and passions to kingdoms that aren't going to last forever, but that every day we're giving our allegiance to what's going to be eternal. Parties, they grow when they fall. Kingdoms, they grow when they fall. The kingdom of God lasts forever. Come November, if you, if you pay any attention and you choose to vote in November, and these are things that we need to care about. But if your party or your person, if they win, the question needs to be for you, what kind of bridge builder are you going to be in December who is living a life that is trying to promote the unity, peace, harmony, and togetherness that God offers to the world? And if your side or your person loses... What kind of decisions are you making right now in your life to remind you of the story you've been called to live? Because here's the thing. No matter who wins in November, it's not going to impact the nature or the character of God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. The mission of God has survived epidemics and pandemics and civil wars and genocides. The mission of God keeps going. So right now in August... Hey, let's care about what happens in our world. But we swear our allegiance and daily we are surrendering ourselves to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God is working to redeem the whole world, to bring them into relationship, and then to unleash God's people to make a difference in this world. And it's an honor that we are invited to play a part in this. I want to invite Kip and the praise team to come on up. I want to lead us in a prayer, but we're going to sing a song. Uh, and some of us started singing this song in the late 90s. Just this declaration of just wanting to know God more. Wanting to know God more intimately. If you're online right now, if there's anything we can do for you, we uh, go to our webpage, sickamoreview.org, and there's a connect card, and there are places in there where if you are interested in being baptized, or if there's something we can pray for you, check that box, and we, we look at those. They come to us every day, and we're able to, we would love to be in, in, in touch with you. If there's anyone here, and some response in your life or something we could do for you, whether it's a baptism, a desire to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, or something we can pray for. We'll have elders to receive you after this worship service, out these doors and to the room on the right. And before we sing this declaration, let's pray. And God, I lift up, I lift up just a, a prayer of repentance. That if there are days that we find ourselves anchoring our hearts, anchoring who we are in something that is temporary. God, forgive us. If there are days that we try to check boxes more than press into a relationship that you have given us with you, forgive us. Fix our eyes and our hearts on you. May we leave this place today, may we leave this worship time today as people who want to know you better. And there's people who understand that you are using us. You're making your appeal through us. So God, through the Sycamore View Church this week, will you make your appeal to this world? I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.